This is Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. This episode is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild. Come on down to the Guild Theater in December for a couple of terrific shows. Next Sunday, December 3rd at 7 p.m. is the multiple award-winning jazz and R&B singer Patty Peterson, along with the fabulous Sean Turner on keys. They will bring you Patty's holiday show called Count Your Blessings. You'll learn more about this during Musician Talk today because Patty is my guest. Also, there is Christmas at the Rainbow Diner on December 8th and 9th at 7.30, brought to you by A Very Moxie Production along with the Guild. This is Mrs. Moxie, Lexi D. and Friends' second annual Christmas drag show, and it is filled with joy and hilarity. Both shows are at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater, and tickets are available at northfieldartsguild.org by phone at 507-645-8877 or at the Guild Shop downtown Northfield. Hope to see you at the shows. My guest today is the inspirational speaker, jingle singer, Jazz 88 radio host, mother, grandma, and yes, the incomparable jazz and R&B singer, Patty Peterson. It's an honor to spend some time with this beautiful woman who has won the Minnesota Music Best Vocalist Award seven times, been inducted into the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame, and regularly sings to packed A-list houses in Minneapolis and beyond. She's been an inspiration to me since I first heard her at the Dakota when I was in my 20s, and I look forward to hearing about her musical life and her insights about life. It's time to get some details. It's time to talk with Patty Peterson. Patty, welcome to Musician Talk. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. You know, Patty, you've been one of my favorite singers since I was in my 20s, which is a long time ago. Um, It was for me. I would see you at the Dakota back when it was in, in Bandana Square. Yes. And uh and I you've just held a special place in my heart for so many years. And so I'm this is a very big thrill for me to have you on my show. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. And I'm so excited to talk to you too. I know how much music means to you. So makes it even better for me because you're coming from a place of knowing some yes. of the things that we think about as musicians and artists. So thank you. Exactly. And that's been the thrill of doing this show um, and having 100 shows under my belt that you meet so many fabulous people. And and that's the other thing about you is I love your music. I love what you do with your voice. And also, I love your stories. And from your stories that you tell on stage and in interviews and all that, you can tell what kind of person you are, which is a seems oh. to me to be a very, very gracious and generous and um, creative person. So that's that. Okay. <laughs> There's my mutual admiration society. Exactly. I just wanted to say that because that means so much to me too. That your heart, your heart is just so so filled with grace, and I, I, it's Mm. beautiful. So, um, we start on this show going back to our beginnings of music, and you come from uh, what is known as the first family of music in Minnesota, and so you grew up with a bunch of a bunch of music in the house. And so can you remember your first experiences and your first memories with music in well, your home? And, well, you know, I can, I can say this, even though I don't remember this, but we have cute story about our parents, of course, who were both musicians and they played music. So their rehearsal space, their writing space was always in the home. 
And as mom had kids, she was a fine singer and pianist, and she would plant us next to the piano, play a note, and say, can you sing this note, even before we could talk? And if we could, we were in. So that's our joke, you know. But (laughs) So I don't remember that, but I know that as we would get together for family holidays, we cousins loved to sing, and we siblings loved to pretend and be in plays. And uh, I remember some of that first musical experience trying to join my cousins and being grown up enough to join them in song as well. But, you know, then eventually I was pretty little by the time I started playing piano, classical piano at seven years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I had been singing all along and um, eventually, you know, the family would do some church functions together, the kids and both parents. And that was at the the St. Peter's Catholic Church we grew up in. So lots of music at that point, no intention of being in the music business wasn't even, it was just our language, you know, it's like French in the home. It was, I'd say second language, but it's probably our first, to be honest. Wow. And so you had your, uh, all your siblings played different instruments. And so would, when you would go to church, would, would, the would everybody sing all the kids sing or would you all play your different instruments and sing how how what did that look like well honestly we would do special shows for a church sometimes it was just dad like the mother, the father daughter breakfast we would be dad and me on vocals dad on on keyboards but when we would do their big fall festival for example we would each choose a different instrument and i think linda and i would sing and the parents were probably on keyboards Right. I'd say Billy was uh, Billy was on the bass. Ricky might have been on the drums at that point. Um, and um, little Paul, at two years old when Dad was still alive, could stand up and play a set of drums. So <laughs> you know, I, we have some video of that as well. So it's really fun to go back and see that. But you know, if if we were drawn to an instrument or drawn to singing, our parents watched. And they never wanted to teach us. They put us in touch with people who would teach us. For example, we studied with the nuns at Holy Angels for for piano and flute for for me. But uh, Billy, our older brother, who is such a prolific, prolific bass player, there was a bass that was underneath the piano. And Dad said, I'm going to work now, which was, of course, a probably an eight to midnight job as a musician right. said, Billy, whatever you do, don't touch that bass. <laughs> oh, no, of, course. of course he had to then. Of course he did. You know, that was really fun. So um, th- we always say the rest is history, but you know, dad was smart and mom, they put the guys out, the brothers out on jobs at about 14 or 15, starting with the drums, society drums, you know, and being able to be background music, you can teach your kid on the job. So your parents were, it sounds like they were fabulous um, in, in that they didn't push things on you. They were watching to see what you loved and then encouraged that. Right, right. They would leave music books out that what we now in our day call a real book with just the melody line with the chord on top of it. They called them fake books back in the day. And we could learn uh, some of the songs we heard them play. They didn't include the popular music starting to come on the radio, you know, in the 60s or late 50s. But the jazzier tunes, I would say, under the umbrella of the Great American Songbook. Right. I remember at seven, eight years old, sitting and learning how to play that melody 
and then find the chord. I would imagine they taught me the chord. That wouldn't have come naturally for me, although it did for them. So anyway, yeah. And then they watched, and mom was my only vocal teacher. Oh, wow. Until later on in life, which I'll get to, to you about. But she's the one who told me how to place my voice, how to lift it so it has the lighter sound, which remains on top of the center of the note. And it's a brighter sound as a vocalist. And that will mean something to the musicians and singers who are listening and yourself too, I'm sure. But uh, that was the guidance I got because she could see as I stepped in ninth grade into 10th grade from being a dancer in in a high school musical production to becoming a lead in 10th grade, she helped me learn how to use my natural gift, just nice. even enhance it a little bit more. So, right. so she learned, she taught you how to place your voice. When I think of placing the voice, I think of chest voice and head voice yeah. and, um, and, and then blending the two, which I've never learned really how to do. You say head voice. I, we would say falsetto because we didn't have correct. Uh, we didn't have official lessons vocally. So, you know, she wouldn't use your falsetto hardly ever. So it was how to raise your voice up above that crack we all have between the head voice and the regular chest voice. She was such a beautiful singer. She had a lot of Ella Fitzgerald playing on in the background in our house. That was her favorite. Wow. So diction, pitch, uh, influences of uh, how to stylize a song. They were part of who we were, although we weren't approaching that level of creativity yet as kids. Wow. And your mom, of course, is Jeannie Arlen Peterson, the grand grand dame of Minnesota jazz. Um, And so what pedigree you come from. Um, So you were taking piano lessons, classical piano lessons, and you were taking and your mother was teaching you how to sing. And you were in theater. And when you got into 10th grade, then you got the lead. What lead was it? What show was it? Uh, I was Sarah Brown in Guys and Dolls. Oh, wow. That's yeah. that's not easy singing. And you know what's interesting is when I achieved the role, that getting that role, I came to uh, a realization. And the realization was it would get old and boring when the parents would say, oh, please sing for the company. Oh, right. You know, when they would come over or sing for their relatives or it's like, oh, do I have to? Typical kid stuff. And when I heard that applause for myself as a 10th grader, I went, oh, no, I get it. And that's when the official bug bit me. Got it. And the realization that this is something I want to do. Because I wasn't doing it because of my family. I was doing it because of me and my desire. And that felt really good. I was 16. Right. Wow. That's great. I mean, it's like, like you said, it was like a different, a second language in your home or perhaps first language in your home. And so it's just part of your life. And then you get to this performance and then you find out, oh, wait, this isn't just a part of my life. This might be my life. Right. Oh, fabulous. It really was fabulous. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So take me on your journey from there. So middle school, you're sure. you're the lead in the show, and now you you this is you feel like this is your home. The stage is your home, and take us a little bit. Take us from there. So that summer, when I was sixteen, there was a band, a horn band called Open Road, looking for a female vocalist, and I went and auditioned. And there was a lovely singer who lived in the house where the band was rehearsing. She was already out there pounding the pavement. 
And I was kind of a jealous hurt and I didn't know what really what I was doing at all, with the exception of when I sing with my folks. But I went in and did this audition and they wanted me in the band. And that's when I began singing popular music, Chicago, Tower of Power, Lydia Pence, who was with a group called Cold Blood, Aretha Franklin, different songs like that. Maybe some even some Doobie Brothers, because Michael McDonald always sang so high. At any rate, I started in, in singing in bands and it became what I would say. And I worked with the school, my work program. So I would sing, and sometimes I wouldn't come to school early in the morning because I'd had a late-night gig. And I started working when I was about 15 on keyboards and vocals. But when I stepped out in the front, it became my calling card. I am what we call a front entertainer, singer, MC, you know, that kind of thing. So it started then and grew from there. So that open road group lasted until my late teens, Moved into a group with my brother, Ricky, and was called Emerald. And that was so much fun until he called, got called to go do another band. And then eventually, uh, after getting married at a very young age and having two sons, um, at 24, I joined a band called Class Action. And it was uh, a band that existed in the late 70s and early 80s. And we were the live version of what was going on in disco clubs. Oh, wow. Well, we might do a set, and then they would play disco music. That was at a club called Oz or Steak and Ale. We would line people up out the door. It was three singers up front, Ricky on keys, a drummer, a bassist, a guitarist, and we had the most intricate vocal arrangements of horn charts for Earth, Wind, and Fire music. So that band was one we all talk about. We've had a couple of reunions at the Dakota, but it grew from there. At 25, I did my first job with my cousin, Bobby Peterson, who was a prolific, brilliant jazz pianist. As a matter of fact, I think he started touring with Buddy Rich when he was 20 years old, 21. Wow. We were on some, some summer afternoon job and he started i said oh on a clear day i think here's my key and he played an intro that was like i couldn't find dough because it was so (laughs) creative i mean i couldn't find my starting note and i thought oh wow i've got a lot to learn because i was literally learning these singers styles shaka khan Rita franklin lydia pence other singers as well and i was Singing the licks exactly like they had done on the record. You do that when you're starting out in the business. Right. Pretty soon you're not listening to the records anymore. And you morph all of those people into your own self-expression. To this day, I will smile at a lick I do that Shaka did when I was 21 years old. You know, So uh, at, at 29 years old, my brother Billy came to me and said, look, there's a new jazz club opening at the Lemington downtown Minneapolis. We want you to be the singer. So it was Bobby and it was Billy and drummer at the time. I'm not sure. Glenn Swanson, maybe. But that's my official start date of singing the music that I grew up listening to. Wow. And uh, since then, uh, my home and my heart lies in uh, jazz, contemporary jazz and R&B. Yeah. Oh, and sacred music as well. You know, delivering a power ballad. Sign me up. I love it. So yeah, that's that's where I live. That's where my <laughs> that's where I like to live too. 
like to live, yes. And she gave me a good a low ballad, which is hard to find. So uh, yeah. <laughs> No, just be with someone who can change the key. Change the key, exactly. In fact, <laughs> right. when I saw you at Bandana Square, you were with Dan Chenard. Um, one of the times I saw you, you were with Dan Chenard. This was a, kind of a pivotal time that I saw you in my life. Um, you were playing with Dan, and Dan was one of those guys that could, just the drop of a hat, you wouldn't have to re- rehearse or anything. Just, well, no, I think I wanted a little lower today. Could you play it? Could you take it down a half a step? Oh, okay, here. You know? Totally. I mean, I call him a walking computer today, but right. yeah, we, we, singer's voice, he had singer's voice, if that was what you're referring to. Yeah. Where he would feature a different singer every Sunday night, yes. and it was an honor to be a part of it. Yeah. And wow. there I sang... I remember learning and singing a couple of Barbara Streisand versions of Stevie Wonder songs, You and I and All in Love is Fair. And every once in a while, I'll pull them out of the hat. Well, if I have to say part of the reason that Patty's on today is because she has a concert here on next Sunday night on December 3rd at the Northfield Arts Guild at 7 o'clock. And I'm hoping that you do You and I. That is one of my favorite songs that you sing. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love that. Thank you. Well, I will listen. I'm making my set list up to uh, connect with Sean Turner. So I will let him know. I've got some other really great ones that pertain to holiday and family and many other things. And since it is really the kickoff of the holiday season, I'm pretty sure I'm going to focus on my holiday music yes. as well. So exactly, and I knew you would do that, and I and I'm and I'm we're selling it. The guild is selling it as as a holiday show. Uh, but I just wanted to put a little just a bug in your ear. About you and You're going to put your request in the in the jar right now, right? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. Perfect. Then, yeah, it's a beauty. You went on to the you know, and and you still are this fabulous career and you're just so well respected and you're a radio host and you're an inspirational speaker and a writer and all these things and a, and you write jingles or you sing jingles and, and there's so much to talk about but we only have so much time so let's move yeah. on to the first song that we're going to play today okay? okay sounds good awesome and that is from um, from your album and it is called Christmas Time Is Here. So yes. why, why don't you set this up for us? Why did you choose this song? Who's playing on it? Those kind of things. Well, I'm, I, I chose it because I think it's a good example of where my heart lies when we're talking about a little more contemporary rhythm and blues, funkier, you know, yeah. vibe of a well-known Christmas, Christmas song that is usually done as a ballad. And we decided that we were going to use Patty Peterson singing with herself um, to show kind of <laughs> commercial chops, you know, that when I was singing commercials like for Dairy Queen and Tombstone Pizza, you know, pull that into it and pull some happy toe tapping uh, feelings into this song. And it's just we know when Christmas time is here, right? you know, everybody is they got a bigger smile on their face. I think from now to through Christmas, everything is heightened a little bit. And it's a great time to take in a show. Um, I hope people come and, and uh, listen to all this great music. But this one is fun in particular because it's a different version of it. Exactly. And, and um, who is playing on this track? I have a little secret to tell you. And that is that Sean Turner, who will be accompanying me on Sunday, is a wonderful pianist, but he's also an incredible orchestrator. Uh, number one, I did a tribute show to Bar- the music of Barbara Streisand. He did all of that music. We just we lowered the keys, of course. But <laughs> he 
is the entire orchestra. <sighs> through his computer, through his keyboards, he's everything from the strings and the flutes to the bass and the drums and all the keyboards. Wow. So it is Sean Turner and me, and that's it. And how much we're going to emulate on Sunday, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about that, but you'll hear just how prolific this musician is. Uh, that's a perfect setup. Let's take a listen to Christmas Time is Here, featuring the voice of my wonderful guest today, Patty Peterson.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. I am so very privileged to have the great Patty Peterson on the show with me today. The song we just played is Christmas Time is Here. Well, done with a little different groove, if you noticed, sung by my guest, Patty, and also um, arranged by Sean and played by Sean Turner. Amazing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. yes. I love um, the groove, the background vocals. Uh, were those all you? Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Yes. A surprise ending. I love surprises. I would consider this one what we call a shuffle. A shuffle. Got it. So this is that kind of lends itself to the blues family, but but it has that contemporary jazz. We were kind of going for an Algero vibe, if you want. Okay. To yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. sense. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> You're a radio host at KBEM um, Jazz 88. You have a Sunday morning show. You have uh, the Playroom, which is such a great name for a show. And you've talked to so many heavy hitters. And so um, I just have to say that, uh, that this is a little bit why I was a little nervous today, because you're my first interview of somebody who is an interviewer. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You're leading with your heart, and that's the best thing we can do. Whenever we're trying to get next to somebody is – Ask questions from your heart. Be the consummate listener. And you are representing everybody who wants to know more about what I'm up to, you know. (laughs) And that's what I think, too, is the minute you can get to someone's heart when you are interviewing them, they, you know, the rest of the world goes away and they tell their story. Nice. Nice. What what do you love about (laughs) being on the radio? What what are some challenges? Um, What I love about the radio is it's an extension of talking to an audience as a singer. And what I love about the fact that we learn how to communicate with an audience, if you want to grow your personality as an artist, you learn how to tell an audience why you've chosen a song. And then it's my responsibility to sing that song like I've been there. So people in the audience can relate and they want to come back because they want to feel again through the delivery of what I can do as an artist. That ability to tell a story led me into being uh, someone people would want to interview for the upcoming shows I would have or my Peterson family shows. I have to tell you that I blame my sister for this one because she was listening to me on WCCO radio back in 1996. And she said, oh, Patty, have you ever thought about doing radio? You sound great on the radio. You should see if you can work there. And I'm going, yeah, right. right. I'm going to the biggest radio station in the country and say, can I work here? People might not know this. They think this is a glamorous business we're in, you know, to be in the arts. And it is hard. Yeah. You get worn out. And you're raising a family. And there are challenges. Sometimes you don't want to go to work in the music business. You're tired. Yeah. You're tired of it. You're tired of the dynamics. That doesn't mean you don't want to use your art, but but being able to expand myself to do something different was welcomed at this point in my life. And so I sent in a letter to the GM of WCCO Radio, 
what what would I have to do to work here? Here's who I am. And uh, the guy called me and he said, well, you know, and, and so did one of the producers over there. Send in a demo, try to work at a small station. It must be what they tell people. Right. And this producer, um, about six months later, I was on, once again, the show that she was producing. And, and I said, what would I have to do? And she told me the same thing. Well, it turns out that she kept that information of my desire to learn this career. And they didn't have any subs at the station for oh. a period of time in 1996 or seven, seven, I'm going to say. And all of a sudden, somebody was going to be moving to the Twin Cities. Even though they had been doing the shift already, they needed somebody to sub for him five nights of overnights. And I went, sure. (laughs) I went over there and I learned how to be on the radio. I got the clock. I learned a whole new language of back timing and pertinent questions and you know, I learned about the radio business and radio audiences, and it became a six-year career. Wow. And I stayed with CCO as a talk show host. So that was my first introduction into radio. Believe it or not, a nighttime show, nine to one for four years. We called it the Good Night Club. <laughs> I learned more about those four years because about my musician friends. They, they like to golf, and they like talk radio, so they'd call periodically. I'm going to tell you, Pauline, this became my college. I did one year of college, but I did fine arts and French. But this was my college, and I was passionate about what I was learning and the expansion of who I was as an individual and a communicator. I realized that, yes, I love to sing, but I love to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this beautiful music industry has led me to is the ability to communicate through different hats. Right. So now I'm at Jazz 88. I took some time off. Um, I was there six years. I uh, had a major health scare, which we'll get to. And a few years later, my friend Arnie Fogel said to me, you know what, Patty, you should come and talk to my friends at the jazz station because he's got a show called The Bing Shift. And and I did, and they hired me, and I became a rotating sub. And a couple of years later, I I started this contemporary jazz show called The Playroom. Bobby Vandell, my drummer friend, helped me think of the name. And uh, that's every Sunday from 4 until 6, and it's Al Jarreau and Dave Cause and David Sanborn and some of the newer artists that are coming through. But um, I'm also a rotating sub, and for me to be who I've been in the community as a mostly jazz oriented individual to work at a jazz station. It's hand in glove. Yeah. No kidding. Just a perfect fit. Perfect fit. Nice. So as a matter of fact, I'm going to be playing a lot of radio over the Thanksgiving holiday. And, um, and because I give people time off, you know, and so uh, I am definitely a utility person who loves what I do and um, I have a great knowledge of the music, and and I like to have fun. I like who I become when I open up the mic on the radio. I love how you talk about becoming a communicator and how that whole entertainment aspect of it, you've got that nailed so well. That's part of why I love to watch you on stage and go to your shows is because what you're talking about, that you talk about the story, you set it up in such a beautiful way that the audience, when they leave that, when they leave your show, they feel like they know you. 
Oh, I, I always hope and pray for that because it takes a long time for an artist to re- reveal them tr- their true selves. I believe I've gotten to that. And I yeah. now recognize that by having fun with the different musicians, including my family that we bring on stage, I want them to leave knowing they've had an experience. Yeah. 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 You do that. You do that really well. Um, <clears throat> really quickly, uh, I just wanted to to touch on your you you are an inspirational speaker and you do this all over the country. And how did you step into that? And what do you speak about? Oh well, this is where I enter the story of the health issue. Okay, because I was uh, recognizing towards my last part of CCO that I was having some heart problems. And irregular heartbeats, and um, it was more than just stress. Mm. You know, a lot of stress on the job, a lot of stress um, in my personal life at the time. Irregular heartbeats are not fun to live with. And so you get your testing done, and they say, oh, well, you're going to need a new aortic valve pretty soon and in the next five years. And you you get on a program of, oh, you know, watch and wait, and are there hospitals who are doing non-invasive procedures, which they do now, but back 20 years ago, they weren't. Um, one night when I was driving home, I met up with my brother, Ricky, and and the whole day was just filled. It was a February day, uh, Pilates, volunteering at my son's school and uh, rehearsal and a recording session and reconnecting with Ricky, who had just come off the, the John Mayer tour, and he was going to meet up with the band. I And I said, I can't. I can't do it because it's too early. I've got to get up with my middle school kid. So as I'm driving home talking to one of my sons who was going to be meeting us as well, I felt this burst in my chest, and it was more like a dagger in my heart. Luckily for me on 35W, there was nobody on the street, so I pulled off to the side of the road and called 911 because I was in trouble, and I knew it. And um, the ambulance was coming. I was shaking. Uh, A state trooper came first. The 911 operator stayed with me until someone could get to me and it was really sweet. I asked her to my husband, I got a hold of him and the, the trooper helped me get a hold of him. And, and it, I want, I say this not to raz on my husband, but just to say, he said, are you sure it wasn't something you ate? I say this because don't belittle what you're feeling in your heart. Go get it checked. Right. If you have a question, go get it checked. So the ambulance was coming. I said, please meet me down at the hospital. And as it turns out, uh, they were beginning to treat me for a heart attack. Although, um, or, you know, the men in the ambulance said EMTs, she's not clustering like a heart attack. The angina medication was not touching it. And when I got into the emergency room, the emergency room doc was looking at my x-ray, which is routine. And he looked at it, but wasn't looking at it. And a voice's intuition said, you son of a gun. But he wasn't that nice to himself. If you don't check her for this other thing, you're going to, you could lose her. And he sent me to a CT scan. And his uh, suspicions were supported by the CT scan. And I was experiencing something called aortic dissection. There are three walls to that. And so I had a burst in an aneurysm. Plus, it uh, the dissection was separating the walls down to my femoral arteries, which is where your legs start. Oh. And if it happens to someone, it cuts off the blood supply to your major, major organs and you die. Yeah. So dying. Oh, my and God. They moved so fast. I was in emergency open heart surgery within an hour and a half, singing to the nurses, singing to the, oh. uh, to the surgeon, 
And, and the surgeon pulled my husband into the elevator and said, you better call everybody. You know, this does not look good. Oh, and just the mortality rate was, you know, just a few percent of people pulled through. So I'm in surgery. My entire family comes. It's overnight. And um, I survive. I have a mechanical heart valve, partial mesh aorta. I live with a uh, dissected aorta. I don't live my life from that place. I live my life from gratitude. Good. A long time to come back from that. And that changed me in, I was always one who would stop and smell the roses, but I say that I stop and smell them longer now. Sure. And so that comes into the piece of recognizing just how fortunate I am and how blessed I am to have been on this side to watch my mom and help her in her final years watch my kids graduate, get married, have children, play music with my family and my wonderful friends and be who I am in the community at 69 years old. I, I survived what killed the actor, John Ritter and Amy Asbeck and I, his widow have spoken to aortic symposiums about the right way to be diagnosed and the wrong way. So when I went back to uh, singing, I was singing at a church service and there were two of them. And I noticed this gal was sitting on the edge of her chair like she was new. She raised her hand. But she introduced herself and said, oh, I love what you sang today. I know some of your family. And her name was Joy. And she said, oh, I love that music. And I said, well, I'm so lucky. We all have music that follows us in our lives. But I have these platforms from which to sing them on in good times during bad. And she said, oh, no, Patty, you really live your gift. And I, it was like a zing from the heavens. And I went, ah, all of the things that I already said I was grateful for being able to live, I realized that I had a mission. And that is to remind people that they're born with gifts and that each and every day, if you've forgotten and brushed them under the rug, it's important for us to remember what they are and sit with yourself and visualize what would, would my life be like if I was living my gift communicator. Maybe your gift is a great mom. Maybe your gift is a great singer. Maybe it's a great leader within a corporation, but know what they are, recognize them. And you will see this relationship, the relationships in your life change for the better because you're honoring yourself first. It's kind of the oxygen mask theory, but it is about why we're here in the first place. And that is to live our gifts. And that is your relationships in your family, your relationships with your friends, of course, your workplace, but mostly with yourself. So I challenge people, live your gift. And that's what I talk about. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. of course. And that's what you're doing. You know what? I am, and I just started doing that this past year. I mean, I've been doing it my whole life on and off, but I lived, I was in the business world for many, 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 most of my life. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And I didn't love it, but I had health insurance. And, yes. you know, and I could make my payments on my house and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and now I am the performing arts manager at the Northfield Arts Guild. And it's, it, I love the thing that you said about honoring your gifts, that when you do that, when you honor yourself, you, can, you have so much more to give away. You have so much more to, to, to be grateful about and to be gracious about, both, both sides of that. And so I, I'm living that right now, and I'm living proof in my own life this late in life, which, you know, you can do it in any time, people. Um, Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you certainly can. And 
I applaud you for recognizing that you needed a shift. And as they say in the spiritual world, shift happens, <laughs> which is funny, funny, funny play on words. But, but no, I think it's so important. Follow, follow our hearts. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't pay all the bills. We have to be smart about following our hearts, but right, following right. our hearts does bring us peace and joy. And we bring that into every relationship and every situation most of the time, you know. So that's my platform. It all stems from that health crisis. But then I get to this place where, um, you know, life is full. And I look when I have my family, including siblings and nieces and nephews over for Christmas, I look around the table and I am so grateful. And that is probably my most humbling day that I recall everything I've been through including the ability to be here to watch this chaos and love happen. Yeah. That's when my sister wrote a song for me and the song is called, I am thankful. And it even includes my grandkids on it. It does. And that is, let's talk about the song after we play it because that's just the perfect setup and I don't want to add anything else. Just take a listen to a song written by Patty's sister, Linda Peterson, and it's called, I am thankful. As I look around me, how my family's grown, sitting round the table on Christmas morn. I'm thankful for the children, the children in my world, a shining face of every boy. Seems in just a heartbeat Everything has changed And I have found a meaning In every passing day And blessings in abundance This Christmas season brings The reason is the birth of Christ the King Flood my senses of Christmases gone by. The passing of the seasons as years fly swiftly by. New memories in the making as each new child is born. Beginning with our Lord on Christmas morn.
Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. Today's guest is the award-winning jazz and R&B singer, Patti Peterson. You just heard her sing the very personal song, I Am Thankful, written by her sister, Linda Peterson. That's so beautiful. And mm-hmm. it, and, 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 oh, it, oh, the kids singing on there is so touching. It's emotional. It's touching. It's, it's so perfectly placed in the holiday season and um i have to say that it seems like what you're singing is kind of floating and i'm i'm not sure how you know what to sing where because to me it 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 makes sense once you sing it but but i but i want to have chosen that and even known where to stick it in the song and i find that this is so often the case when it when it comes to jazz singing i don't hear enough uh, well enough to be able to do that. And so, so let me just take a one step back to our quote, which is Billy Holiday. And this will all come together. I'll mesh together in a second here. And the quote is, everyone's got to be different. This is Billy Holiday. Everyone's got to be different. You can't copy anybody and end up, end up with anything. And so I just wanted to know how that first hit to you and, you know, in the, in the context of music or in the context of life. Well, she's supporting the thought that I have or that somebody bestowed upon me. You know, you live your gift. Well, our gifts are what make us unique. If there's one singer that my brother Billy has really said, oh, Billy Holiday, you don't like her singing, you know, to somebody or if in conversation. Yeah, you know, I didn't understand her as a young girl, her delivery and her phrasing. But what he said is... You, you will never forget her voice, will you? Right. Because of her uniqueness. Right. So you take that and transfer it to your own life. You stay who you are, and your uniqueness will pave the way for people to identify who you are on the planet and with your gifts. Nice. And and in that relationship to to improv and where I think sometimes I feel like I'm, I can't be creative enough because I'm not an improv singer, just knowing where to place notes differently than the original is difficult for me. And so I always feel like I'm a little bit non-original. But, of course, I always do bring my own thing to it because you can't help but not. Right. I'm so glad you said that. 
That's true. You have an interpretation that is all your own. So judging, heck, stop. (laughs) Have fun. Let the creative juices flow. It's great. Exactly. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. All right. Quickly, best gig, worst gig. This is something I do every show. And, um, you know, I, you've had so many great gigs, and I'm sure that you've had some problems along the way, but it's it's good to laugh at our at our problems, and it's good to celebrate the, the great things in life. So why don't you touch on that? I've been in the business over 50 years, as a matter yes. of fact. I will say that um, when you're coming up in the ranks, you have a lot of gigs that are just you're hoping you're scraping by and you know you got to enter through the kitchen and you're hoping <laughs> that, the, that the people are going to like your music and you're always trying to identify what what are they going to like what next song are they going to really want to hear so that's all kind of a platform and you learn about yourself is called paying your dues but if i were to talk about the worst part of the gig is when people smoked oh. and when people smoked cigars at the front table and would exhale as I was taking a breath. Oh, sure. I know that's a totally different. I've never heard that. But it's like (laughs) my range went from an octave and a half to about four notes. So that would be, that would be a crummy gig, I guess. Uh, I was a very relieved vocalist, even though it hurt the businesses. Um, Favorite place, Mm, working with my incredible Minnesota Music Hall of Fame, Peterson family. Yeah. You know, dad died when he was 48, Willie Peterson. And he was, as I said, the first organist for the twins. Mom were at CCO Radio. Mom and dad both were before canned music came in in the early 1960s albums. And uh, that was our life. We'd go down to WCCO and watch the bands play. Wow. It was and, and remains to be our language and it's our love place. And when he passed, there's a certain youngness about us when we get together. We are loud and filled with hugs and love and great food. And everybody thinks, oh, they must get together and play music. That's a, where's the furthest thing from our minds. We mm. just want to be together. We lost our mom, Jeannie Arlen, 10 years ago. And we're still trying to pick up the pieces. Truth is, when we look around, we know that this space is home. Uh, speaking of which, that'll be one of the songs I do at the concert home from the whiz whether you've suffered an illness or you're not home because you're on a service duty overseas or you know and then you think of i'll be home for christmas so you know we i my favorite place is to be with my family members and my incredible musician friends who become like family but yeah no my happy place is with my family that's fabulous and so you 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 touched on your that you're going to do this song for this concert, so we're just going to give you some more details on that. So it's at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater on December 3rd. Tickets are on sale at northfieldartsguild.org or 507-645-8877 or come down to the shop at 304 Division, right downtown beautiful Northfield, and get your tickets there. You know, she just played at the, at the, at the Dakota, which is a fabulous venue, um, yes. last week, and now here she comes down to our beautiful intimate theater so we have a chance to see her so please get tickets for that and the uh sean turner is her accompanist and he is world-class uh pianist as well as it sounds like everything else um amazing yes. amazing monster musician 
I guess. Yep. And you know what? He's offered to sing a couple of tunes and wait till you oh, hear. Good. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so much fun. And then, you know what? I was talking about my family, Pauline, and I want people to come to the Northfield concert, especially if it is, I mean, it's a totally different thing than I usually do unless you are um, able to hear me in a church setting, but um, the family's got a concert coming up too. Awesome. Good. And that's at the Dakota, the week of Christmas. It's 18 and 19 at the Dakota. And they can find tickets and more information at pattypeterson.com or at dakotacooks.com. At pattypeterson.com, you can also find your music. You can find our music. You can find the information about this concert in Northfield at the Arts Guild Theater. So the links will be able to guide you to uh, the purchase of the tickets and the purchase of the music. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to doing this concert in Northfield, where my son graduated from college at St. Olaf. Nice. Yes. I, I wanted know, to get that I know, it's so, it's so really, really good. And the name of the concert is Count Your Blessings. That's the name of my holiday CD as well, because really, when it comes down to it, don't we get a little happier when we look around the room and count our blessings? We do. We do. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to tell you that also we always have an opener for these concerts, somebody local, and your opener is Kyra Reverman, and she is a 15-year-old student at the high school, and she is phenomenal. Marvelous. Yeah, and she wants to live her life on stage. And so um, it'll be a treat for, for her to get to meet you. And thank you so much, Patty, for being on the show, and I'm so excited to see the concert on December 3rd. Thank you. And I'm so excited to come to Northfield again. It's such a marvelously beautiful city. And there's a lot of warmth in my heart just talking to you and knowing that I'll be revisiting that incredible place. Oh, good. Good, good. Yes. I'm counting my blessings. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You so Bye-bye. Thanks so very much to Patty for sharing some of her musical journey, music, and insights with us today. Thanks to the wonderful Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning into Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a stellar day. Music.